Hello and welcome to episode number 177 of the Chris Not Podcast. Today I'm going a little bit off-piste to the usual stuff. Um, today's episode is going to be all about digestion and digestion, digestion, easy for me to say, digestive health. Um, reason being is um, quite a few online clients have been asking about this and wanting to delve deeper into it. Um, and it's one of those that are very, very similar to injuries where it's in, incredibly bespoke and down to the individual. However, there's always this kind of blanket things that you can do. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to record a podcast. If anybody's having any issues with the digestion or want to know more about it, then this uh, this is like a reference point or just things to consider which may improve things. Um, the, the biggest thing that I find with people is, is understanding how everything works as one holistic system. And what I find fascinating, the more I go down the movement side of things, is oh, just it's the blatant obvious, but it's just realizing that um, you know your digestive organs are attached to well, fascia and connective tissue. These kind of connective tissue are attached to you know um, ligaments, bones, muscles as well. So our movement system and our digestive system work as one, and they're not um, you know they're not individual components. So if we have issues and we have movement uh, problems, then that are, why would it not reflect in digestive health problems as well? So I'll delve into that. Um, this will be about half an hour, which you already know because you can see how long the podcast, the podcast lasts for on your phone already, which I always realize halfway through saying. So yeah, digestive health, what are we looking for? Well, first things first is people, you know, will be this will just be really re revisiting for a lot of PTs and what they already know. Um, and if you don't know it, it's just it's good revision type of things. But digestion is obviously a parasympathetic process. And what that basically means is we need to be in a calm, relaxed state for it to, to occur. And um, if we're not, the body is not really going to be ready to, you know, first of all, psychologically uh, take on food, which is a big component, um, and then physiologically. So what we mean by that is that really your brain hasn't had chance to get all the stuff that needs to get um, going fired up. So if we think about when you see food, when you smell food, when you know that you're going to eat, there's this process where your brain is going to start to produce hormones and these hormones are going to have an impact on secretion of other mini hormones in different places and that's going to help us with this whole digestive um, you know, process. And when we're in a very stressed state, or when we're not in a parasympathetic state, um, this is not going to occur. And what I think is is fascinating about digestion is it's so, so incredibly similar to movement and joint pain issues, you wouldn't believe, because it's not that we don't achieve a movement, or sorry, achieve a process, it goes ahead, but just doesn't go ahead in the right manner. So let's say, let's um, put this into context. Is it, say whenever you take a, a, a step with your foot and you have like stabilizers in your feet working, you know, you have stabilizers in your glutes, then you, you balance, then you then you push off through your glute and then that's how you achieve one one stride whilst you're walking. And, um, you know, people have weakness in the feet, they have weakness in the hips, they have weakness in the core. And, um, you know, it still doesn't mean you can't take a step. It still doesn't mean that you don't achieve that movement. It still goes ahead. It's just not, uh, quote unquote, optimal or all the things that should be working um, underneath the system are working. And when we don't, when we eat and we eat in a rush and we eat in a very, very stressed state, um, it's not that we don't absorb food or, or take on food, but it's just all these mini processes aren't occurring. So we don't have the production of gastric juices. We don't have the producer, production of like uh, hunger hormones 
in the brain and we're not going to register the um, satiety, satiety, is that the right? Yeah, basically feeling full hormone. Um, so we're not going to feel like leptin production um, may be inhibited because of that. And, uh, and as a byproduct, you know, people eventually um, come up with these digestive issues. So really, the point of highlighting this is that the first thing I do with anybody, so if anybody came to it for me and they said, I've got poor digestion, what do I do? The first thing we're looking at is, well, what's your, what, are you, what are your eating habits like? What's your perceived stress? So if I'm asking them, well, what's your anxiety levels like? If they say that's an eight or a nine, you know, regularly, or it's anything above a five on a regular basis, well, there's one thing for for um, that's going to link to poor digestion, and um, you know how quickly are you eating your meals? If it's under five minutes, then there's no way you'll be in that process of properly digesting or properly taking on food. And um, you know when are you, when are you eating them? So not not just the duration of the meals themselves, but is it like just wolfing down some turkey and, turkey mince and rice? You know, in between in your five minute great break in between clients. So we're looking at all these components and then we can go into the physiological side of things. So what's your heart rate like? What's your waking heart rate like? What's your, um, what's your HRV? You know, you know, very similar, it's a very similar commodity. And you know, what's your recovery problems like? Blood glucose can be another one. And all just the, the basic health markers, um, you know, blood pressure. If these are elevated, it's not that this is the reason for your digestive issues, but they are contributing because your body's just never getting into that optimal state for for digestion, and um, it's it's a really big thing to think about. And for anybody who who is is struggling with that, that's that's number one without any shadow of a doubt. Uh, before looking at any like supplements, any probiotics, anything, all the kind of funky stuff that goes on along with gut health is address stress first because it's one of the it's the number one factor in any type of component in the body and just think how you can manage it obviously it is not productive for me to turn around and say um, you know just reduce your stress because that doesn't really mean anything you have to find that that real key that real key component what's that path of most resistance for you so is it you know how much sleep you're getting is there anything within your control that you can do to improve your sleep is there anything that you might be doing uh, as, a, as a perpetual habit which is causing you anxiety are these, are these little things that are contributing to any form of stress increase that you have control over which is going to which which you can change and a big one for me, and, uh, and again, I'm, I'm a proper pot kettle black here because I'm not adhering to this myself, um, is caffeine. Um, caffeine is, is a huge, huge one. And anybody who's worked with me for, for you know, digestive health and um, any, you know, anybody who's having any of these markers, they know that I'll say, right, caffeine out. And it sucks, don't get me wrong, it's not the best. And, you know, I really, really like coffee. I don't really have caffeine or, or coffee for the, for the buzz. It's more about just I like the taste of it. Uh, but caffeine is is an irritant to me. It is a um, it, it's something that you know as soon as you either smell it for some people, or as soon as you taste it, it's like straight to the toilet type of thing. And the reason why I don't like it is because it, it, it first of all is it can be an irritant, and then secondly, it's because of that fact that it's it's increasing heart rate, it's increasing physiological stress. And um, even though perception of stress may be lower, um, but it's, it's physiological stress is going to be increasing. And it's basically the polar opposite of what you'd want to get in that rest and digest state. So if you're having a coffee anywhere between two hours, I think, before a meal, uh, based on you know liver health and, and your ability to um, you know uh, clear caffeine from the system, um, if you've got any type of uh, you know if you're having that uh, you know food where you really need to digest it, not like fast acting carbs or 
you know, maybe a shake or anything like that, but an actual meal, if you've had a caffeine two to three hours prior to that, it's pretty safe to say that that meal won't be digested as optimally as it could have been if it was, um, if it was for, uh, if you hadn't had it, sorry. So yeah, that's, that's the first thing that I want to address is, is going to be stress. Can you reduce it? Can you um, reduce anything such as caffeine? Um, you know, phone exposure is a big one. Um, you know, social media from a, from a psychological aspect, you know, phone from just the fact that being on it so much um, is a big one, just looking into small habits with that. And again, it's, it's small bit, brick by brick. Can you, uh, you know, reduce it by 15 minutes, half an hour a day, and then that comes more over the weeks and just these small, small things. And you've got to see that it's going to have a holistic aspect on the entire body, um, but also it could, as a byproduct, improve your digestion. So the second one or second top tip would be um, chewing food. And again, I know this is ad nauseum, so you hear this all the time and people will go on about digestion and why it's so important. But um, chewing food is, is incredibly important just from, you know, from the mechanical process of giving the stomach acid less, um, you know, less work to do. Because if you don't chew your food, then you're going to need more stomach acid to break that food up further down the line, whether it's in the stomach or further down. Um, and also... It's the, um, it's the process of producing enzymes and the, the digestive process begins as soon as the food's in your mouth, um, especially with the carbohydrates, but there is other, other enzymes in the mouth which are going to be produced. But the longer you can delay that, the more you can basically liquid liquidate your food. So it's, it's like that, there are 20 or 32 chews, it's not 20, but 32 chews, they say, or nail of the elephant in your head. Um, and then you then swallowing and that's that's very you know it's seldom that people do it and it's weird because when I've been mindful of this myself and actually done this and, and slowed down and chewed I have genuinely noticed uh, better digestion I remember thinking this is a game changer just literally just chewing each bite and making sure but then again going back to point one you know, how are you going to do this if you're watching the clock because you've got a whole tub of something to eat and, and two minutes to get it down and then you're going to go onto the gym floor sipping a monster again whilst training a client. And, you know, obviously I'm speaking to personal trainers, but this is exactly for people before meetings, people before taking kids to school, people before doing anything really is that is that slowing that process down. Uh, and and I really will look tactically if I think that somebody's getting like obvious digestive distress or obvious issues at a certain point in the diet in the day. Sorry, I would much rather them actually fast through it and give them a better opportunity of eating at the right time and slowing things down than just get a meal in for the sake of it. Obviously, that you need to be careful about managing hunger because if someone fasts through it, they may be likely to grab something that maybe they shouldn't be, or you know, have something high in sugar. However, it's mainly um, it's the biggest thing is is just thinking about logically if something is doing more damage than good, or the volume of food, you know, the amount, the physical amount of it isn't enough, then you might want to reduce that as well. Uh, moving on to number three is. Um, I've completely gone blank, so bear with me one second. So, number three uh, was irritants. So, irritants um, is anything that sets you off. Um, the reason why I liken digestion to movement is that's a big one for me straight away. So, if someone comes in, they've got some sort of injury. You know, it's all well and good to you know look at how they screen, look at you know trying to remove the restriction. But you really need to make sure that the first thing they do is leave the leave the um, you know room go to the gym and then do an exercise and it comes back because that was the issue that was causing them the problem 
Um, so, so finding that comes from the screening process and from a diary process. So if someone was to keep a pain diary and say, right, well, my knees hurt and it's like the day after doing some heavy squats or hack squats. So right, well, unfortunately, well, maybe not unfortunately, but it looks like we need to remove those or, or maybe rethink it. Because if you remove them and then your knee pain goes away, it's like, right, well, there's something which is blatantly obvious that we should look into. And I think people always intuitively know what's going to set the digestive system off. So they already they always know what might be a factor in, um, you know, in in, in um, triggering any IBS or anything like that. So the the thing with that is that you you then just need to look through the plan and just think, well, you know, I notice either bloating or gas or it's very difficult to go to the toilet after this. So keeping a food diary is essential. And then it is just as simple as just remove that remove that factor. And remove that, um, you know, remove that component from your diet. See if there's an improvement. If there isn't, then you know it's not that. If there is, then you need to stay off that. But then from that, you would then need to think, well, if I've removed that from my diet, and that was something that um, that was something that's causing me an issue, maybe the composition of that food is telling me more about my digestive system and what I need to work on. So, for example, if it's if it's carbohydrates, it may be the some form of bacterial issue that you've got, um, either an overgrowth or something of something of that format, which you then need to um, address with either the right antimicrobials and and so forth. If it's more fats, then we can look towards liver support and looking at why that might be the case. Um, looking at the you know nutrients that are going to support the liver whilst removing fats and then taking them in, and again just like the rehabilitation process, it's not always as simple as remove this food, take this supplement, away you go. It's a coaching process. It's it's looking at right, try this, take that food out, try some support, think about the organ slash function of everything, which uh, which may be a, may be problematic, and then um, and then you can you can add it in. And, and I always say this, say this very regularly. You have to be, you have to um, break a few eggshells to make an omelet. Um, when getting better at something and with speed, so with with uh, you know wanting to do something quickly, you have to be prepared to sometimes take one step forward and two steps back. I'm not saying you should do that, but you have to be prepared to because if you introduce a food too early and you get a bad reaction, then it just shows you you weren't there. So again, going back to that, if someone's making good progress with with no knee pain and they go back to squatting and the knee pain comes back, it just shows they weren't at that point where they can uh, add the load or add the food in again. So that's another thing that we. Again, really want to think about from um, if you if you're looking to do this yourself or you're interested in your digestion is just identifying the food and then think about why is that the case with the food. I deal with a lot of bodybuilders or you know or physique athletes who have gone through very high calorie phases as, as ways of increasing muscle tissue and it's it's a little bit of a catch twenty two because even though um, even though you have to increase food in order to um, in order to gain muscle tissue. You've, you, if you if you're doing that to the detriment of digestive health, then you need to think about well, what are we looking to achieve? Because what are you doing? Because food volume, so the amount of food, is a lot like weight in a movement. And the reason why that the the con to connect those two is that say somebody's doing really really well on a hack squat, and they're just adding load and adding load and adding load, you gain muscle probably in spite of what you're doing because you're so focused on moving the weight. Are you actually thinking about the internal intent and are you actually thinking about loading those muscles accurately in order to create a response where you can properly feel everything contracting? 
or are you just chasing the load? And it's the exact same thing with volume of food. Are you just chasing the calories rather than the quality of digestion, which is ultimately what gives you the response? Because if someone's on 5,000 calories and they are um, and they're not digesting it and they have IBS and they're not going to the toilet and there's all these different factors going on and they're getting some um, other symptoms from like such as brain fog, such as you know such as IBS symptoms, you know constipation. You know, they're just chasing that figure of however many calories because they're putting on muscle tissue. They will obviously and always put on the muscle tissue by default, but really you want to think about the minimum dose required for the maximum response. So what's the minimum amount of calories you can get someone and get them to grow? And it's, you know, it's, in my opinion, it's the same with load. What's the minimum amount I need to load somebody for them to get a positive response? And then weight is something that happens as a, as a byproduct, you know, on the bar or, you know, or in the movement. And just the main thing is, is are they actually challenging the joint? And again, bringing it back to the digestive system, are you actually absorbing that food? And the way you, the way you know you're absorbing it, is basically all good health markers. No, no, wish, no obvious issue with digestion, no obvious problems, um, and then you take it from there. But you have to really deserve the right to increase food to a certain level, but also respecting that you know once you're hitting the 400, um, the 400 grams of carbs a day mark, that amount for any type of any sniff of a bacterial infection or any sip of a, a sniff of a bacterial overgrowth um, can be quite problematic because. Um, SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, so any type of those type of bacteria, they're going to absolutely have a field day on a high volume of carbohydrates and especially simple sugars. So if you're if you think about it, if you're in a stressed state and, in, and taking a high amount of carbs and got a low transit time, so a low process of moving things about the uh, digestive tract, if that's just sitting there. It's just this, you know feeding this huge compost heap of bacteria which is going to have a field day in terms of growing itself and um, so really if your intention is to drive food up just like you might do a prep phase just might you do like a, a rehab phase with again a muscle or a joint is that you really want to make sure that if you do have any symptoms of digestion you get rid of that first and digestive health protocols are interesting ones because the, the by default you're going to have to have less food. So that's why you know you might see on Reborn Transformers say that people who do rehab get um, actually good body composition results. And that's because I do want to not diet them but give the digestive system a rest and give them the help them repair. So that's the that's one of the reasons why. You know, reducing food it has to be done by a byproduct because it's just letting the digestive system get, get more of a rest, but then also figuring out how we address any type of issue. So, you know, if somebody's got a liver issue, we'll reduce fats while supporting the liver and then, you know, some form of detoxification. If somebody's got bacterial overgrowth, we'll have to reduce carbs and then uh, take it from there. But whenever you reduce fuel, so whenever food goes down, you're going to have to manage training load because the person's not going to be able to perform and recover as well. So you can start to see how the coaching process is so essential and knowing when to push and knowing when not to um, and why one of the things that gets sacrificed is intensity and muscle tissue which is why nobody really likes to address these things you also have to appreciate that antimicrobials are exactly that is that the more of an issue you have the more of a uh, so the more of an overgrowth or the more of a bacterial infection you have you may have to go more aggressive with the uh, antimicrobials so you, you can start off quite conservative with something like grapeseed extract um, and then you might need to move to more like oregano oils or berberines or wormwood. And then these products might, um, you know, in conjunction with um, with some form of liver support, are going to help address the issue. Now, 
if you've heard all those supplements, please don't go Googling and think, yeah, this is what I need, that's what I need. If you have digestive issues and they're really bad, you need a health practitioner who's very, very um, used to do it, who's very experienced and, and knows what they're doing with this. And they can tell you which one is most appropriate based on probably some form of stool sample. That's what you need to do. So this isn't about this advice. It's just giving you examples of what happens. Because as a byproduct of that is that you know, antimicrobials and antibiotics aren't too dissimilar in the fact that one's natural and one's man-made, but their, their goal is to wipe out any type of um, you know bacteria in there. So the, 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 the rebuilding process is big because if you go with antimicrobial, there's every chance that if you don't have the right environment through you know nutritious foods and picking the right um, you know using the right type of um, you know organic foods or, or whatever, if you lay the bed of the soil, imagine you've just um, you know there's a field and it's got some good um, plants in there, some rotten plants in there. You know, an antimicrobial is like just putting a huge nuke bomb in there and blowing it up. Then you think, well, that's sort of, that's sorted out the problem. So it's not sorted out the problem because now you need to put the soil back, but full of nutrients. If it's not full of nutrients and um, it's you know it's still poor soil, you put anything back on there, well, it's not going to grow. You're going to have the same issue. So it's not like taking antimicrobials is the answer. You then need to use the feeding phase of the weed seed and feed which is good quality foods, reducing irritants, laying the foundations and starting again. And you know, and anybody does this, you know, of a digestive protocol, and this is the thing that makes me laugh, is that if you're doing a digestion protocol, it is like, it could be 12, 16 weeks of everything. There's no room for maneuver. There's no like, oh, I had dominoes at the weekend or I went for a drink. Well, you've just fucked everything up, you know, and you basically have to start again. And that, that's the way I see it, you know, more experienced and, and, and better gut health specialist. I'm not a specialist, I'm just someone who done a bit in it, but, um, you know, more experienced people may disagree, but, you know, that's the thing is that it's essentially the same as body composition where if somebody's got an irritant to sugars or carbs and they say, I had a drink at the weekend and, you know, ended up having whatever, uh, some form of takeaway, well, that's just bull you know, buggered everything up, so well done. So it's, it's the compliancy with this huge factor, which is why I'm not saying I'm not a fan of these things, I'm not saying I'm not a fan of digestive health protocols, you just have to respect them, that they're hard to do, and they take a lot of um, take a lot of discipline um, and, and uh, in, in tracking as well. Um, moving on to the last tip, I don't know if I'm on four or five or whatever I'm on, um, which is actually more uh, my kind of arena, is um, is don't forget about the digestive tract itself. Don't forget you know, the, the digestive organs. Every Pretty much every organ is a digestive organ. So just remember that first of all. But the digestive tract itself um, has got a ton of veins and arteries, loads, absolute loads. And it's completely, it's, it's absolutely encased with lymph and lymph nodes um, and you know people talk about digestion talk about foods which is very very true but the mechanical side of things so the mechanics of digestion we have we need blood flow and we need lymphatic flow and when somebody comes in and if I'm palpating around their stomach and their abdomen is rock solid it's like I don't care what they're saying I don't care whether they tell me you know I've got you know digestion is 10 out of 10 something's not right there because without blood flow without lymph flow we're gonna have we're gonna have impacted impacted digestion and if somebody's sitting down all day and they're in this hip flex position and they're not getting that pump, you know, the, the, the blood of um, the pump sensation of like the blood flowing around the body because of lack of activity, you know, the food is just going to mechanically sit there. 
No, we're not going to get peristalsis, which is the travel of food through the digestive um, organs. Um, and the, the, the reduction in lymphatic flow is, again, maybe potentially causing blockages, which is then going to impact. And that's when you can get like aches and pains and sometimes dull aches. And this is what I love about osteopathy is that you have the license to make of it what you will based on your own interpretation and knowledge. Um, you know, people might get hip pain or stomach pain, and we always jump to the biomechanical model, but it might just be that, that for whatever reason, the restricted lymph node is pushing on a nerve, or, or you know, we, we never know, you know, we, I'd be lying if I, if I said I did when, when there's pain, you just have to have your best opportunity of, or your, your most... Um, your most intellectually uh, intellectual choice of changing the situation but yeah you you want to you want to improve the fact that if things aren't gliding and moving then that's something to address and you know you may be thinking this will think i'm young i'm healthy i lift and um, you know I, that doesn't that's not me but you know a lot it's quite you know, often i get people who are you know in the 20s they're very strong have good muscle development but the, the hips move are extremely tight and the, you know the, the abs are very very tight and the rotation is very 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 poor and the the amazing thing about the fascia that encases the midriff and the abdomen is that, that it contributes to all those things it contributes to flexion extension it constitutes rotation it contributes to side bending so if any of these movements are really restricted and there's an improvement through manipulating the fascia around them you know you could conclude that this is all impacting the area so if you're thinking right well that's me what do i do first one would be obviously movement um, any type of um, not stretching but yoga pilates always helps but diaphragmatic breathing is, is without a doubt the best one of the best things you can do i'm not huge into gut smashing and um, just because i think the the effects of that it can be a little bit not misunderstood but it can really knock people out and knock people for six gut smashing is where you kind of like push your um, stomach down onto a ball um, not too keen with that one but I can see the benefits I can see why it's beneficial but you know really just like self-manipulation just very just gently if you found a sore spot just pushing into it breathing into it and moving but just big nasal breathing and belly breathing is an interesting one because it's not something that you really want to be doing you know doing training during training big belly breaths I, I don't really like that it's not something that I would really recommend diaphragmatic breathing during training whilst maintaining intra-abdominal pressure at, at certain points is important but um, yeah belly breathing where you can just get everything to relax and really expand into the midriff would be uh, would be something to recommend from there so the recap so recapping on digestive health you know revisited or whatever you want to say is you need to think look at stress because stress is a huge component of it you need to look at when you're eating um, and uh, what state you're in you know even if it's simple as just measuring your heart rate prior to, to prior to eating um, you need to chew your food chew your food is obviously a big one it's such a simple one it's free you know you don't have to spend hundreds of pounds a month on supplements just chew your damn food and then we're looking into irritants are you having anything which is very obviously causing a problem so is there something that you you are having which is which is very notable take that out and then identify why um, you know whether it's some form of dysbiosis um, which is based bacterial infection um, and then addressing it if you're going to address it and you really think you need it address it with a professional functional medicine specialist functional medicine doctor and um, please don't always jump to antibiotics it's not that they're bad they're very very good but they're not always the answer for gut health problems gut health but you know antibiotics just the easier way out take that it'll just blow everything up and then that's great but the you know the fact of the matter is if you take antibiotics and then you're drinking and eating crap afterwards you're going to have even worse gut health later down the line 
Adding on to that, we need to think about movement. Movement is essential for blood flow and lymph to the abdomen. Getting the hips moving, getting the midsection rotating, getting flexion extension through the back is a big one. Um, you know, weight training doesn't always cut it if we're doing very mechanical movements. Um, you know, in, in sagittal planes, so loads of squats and deadlifts, you need to be thinking about just big movements which are stretching everywhere, and then looking at that. So, them top tips for improving digestive health. If you found that interesting, feel free to get in touch. Feel free to share. If you have any questions based on that, always feel free to DM me on Instagram. It's probably your best bet. Other than that, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day and more content coming your way very, very soon.